Thank you, thank you. It has been so much fun over the years to come be a part of Awareness Day, and I know every year it's a new group of students. You're all eighth graders, is that right? Uh, all these eighth grade students moving through, so what an incredible opportunity to come and be with you guys. Uh, and I don't know if you know how great that is, so do me a favor, look whoever you're sitting next to and say, you are so blessed to sit by me. That's right. Doesn't that feel good? I'm glad that you're here. My name is Andy. I would like to meet each and every one of you. So on the count of three, please tell me your name. One, two, three. So nice to meet you guys. We're glad you're here. Uh, I want to take just a couple minutes. I want to talk to you about something I call core training. And obviously with the little dots, we've made this uh, an acronym. We're going to learn something as we walk through these. But before we do that, let me just say that uh, you guys, I heard a little bit of the challenge beforehand. And I saw you guys sign that wall over there. And that means that you're willing to make a difference. You're willing to do what so much of the world is not willing to do. If you'll look on, uh, if you, wow, it's uh, wonderful. Uh, if you will look uh, on TV or watch the news at all, you're going to see that the world is full of a lot of angry, disgruntled, difficult people. But you taking steps like you're taking today are going to be the kinds of things that can help even out the next generation. I'm thankful that guys like you, that people like you, are willing to make some decisions to make the world a better place. Look at whoever you're sitting next to and say, he's talking about you. Go ahead and tell him. That's right. We're Make this world a better place. But anytime you make changes, changes is tough. So let me tell you a little story because here's where I don't want you to get stuck. I've had a dream for a long time, and it's not a big dream, but it's a dream that I had. I wanted a pop-up camper trailer. Y'all so know what a pop-up camper trailer is? I mean, not even a big RV. Not, I mean, that would be great. Not even a travel trailer. I just wanted a little pop-up camper trailer. And they were so expensive, we could never do one. But I found one at a pawn shop that had been in a rollover accident. It was damaged, and my wife said, how much is it? I told her it was only $200, and she said, you may have it. So I bought myself a pop-up camper trailer. It was wonderful. I took that thing home, and I had to limp it home because, I mean, it was in a bad accident. And it was late November, so it was way too late in the season to work on it. I just put it behind my house, threw a tarp over it, and everything was going to be all right. The next spring, though, as soon as the weather got nice, I drug that thing into the backyard. I took the tarp off, and I started working on it. I pulled it right next to the trampoline where my two little boys were jumping up and down while I'm working on this trailer. I mean, it was like an episode of Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy show. I mean, it was great. It was just a real redneck background, right? And so in the backyard, I have this trailer and I have to pop it open and the, the vents are broken and the piano hinge for the sink is off and the door is messed up. And so bit by bit, as I get a little bit of money, I'm working on this thing. Well, one afternoon, the boys were jumping on the trampoline. They're boing, 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 and just having fun. And I'm out there cleaning and working and putting the pieces together. And after a while, they go inside. I didn't think much of it. And I just keep working on the inside of the trailer. A few minutes later, I realized I need to go get another tool. And when I did, I turned around and realized that one of the projects that I've been working on was the door itself, and I only put half of it together. There was no handle on the inside, only the handle on the outside. And so I'm stuck. I'm standing there going, oh, great. Well, somebody will come out and rescue me in a couple minutes. So I go back to doing some things that I can do. And after 10 or 15 minutes, I get done with that, and then I realize I can't do any more. Maybe I can just clean up a little bit. And so I clean up in this tiny little trailer. And then for about 30, 40 minutes, I start getting a little frustrated because no one's come out to rescue me. I've been, I've been stuck in this thing for more than half an hour, and I start to get mad. And have you ever gotten mad in a small space? Does that ever happen to anybody else? You start pacing like this, just around in a circle, like, good grief, I'm so mad. I start calling for my son, Noah! No answer. Nathan! Nothing. I even start calling for neighbor kids. Sydney! I can't get anybody to come rescue me. After about 45, maybe 50 minutes, I've been out there close to an hour. All of a sudden, the back door opens up. I think they finally remembered Dad. They're going to come rescue me. Nope, it was Noah taking out the trash. That was the only reason he was coming out. I said, no, 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 come here, come here, come here. And he comes right over to the screen door, and he goes, what's wrong, Dad? I go, hey, push the button. 
and looks at me and goes, are you stuck? I go, boy, open that door. And he pushed the button and he finally let me out. I was stuck in a pop-up camper trailer for almost an hour. Now, if you know what a pop-up camper trailer is, you're going to know that's a silly thing to be. Because you could have taken a pocket knife out and you could have cut that canvas and reached through and pushed the button yourself in like 10 seconds. Or you could have leaned on the door and just busted it off its hinges with no effort at all. I mean, it's a pop-up camper. If I'd have stomped real hard, I could have made a hole in the bottom and crawled out, couldn't I? Now, why didn't I do any of that? Let me tell you why. Number one, canvas is expensive. If you cut that canvas, that's going to cost you something. Or if you push on that door, guess what's going to happen? I already paid for that door. My wife's going to be mad we had to pay for it again. And if I stomp on the floor, that's going to make a mess. So I got stuck. I put myself in prison because I was afraid of what it would cost. Everybody say cost. cost. Because someone might be mad. Everybody say mad. mad. Or because I might make a mess. Everybody say mess. mess. Don't get stuck in stupid places because you're afraid of what it will cost or who it might make mad or the mess it might make. When you're doing the right thing, let me, let me be honest with you, straight up. If you're doing the right thing, you're going to make a mess. Look at somebody next to you and say, you're going to make a mess. Go ahead and tell me. When you upset the apple cart, when you do things like the rest of the world doesn't do, when you actually start to care about people and, and you start to break social norms and you start to do things that are, are different from the rest of the world, it's okay. It's absolutely okay. That is the whole purpose. And you're going to make a mess. Now, the problem is, have you ever heard, this might be a year or two out from your studies, I don't know how much Greek mythology you guys have done, but um, have you guys heard the term narcissistic? You all know what narcissistic means? Well, somebody help me out. What does narcissistic mean? If somebody's a narcissist, yes. Not kind of like you nailed it. That's it right there. You're obsessed with yourself. We get narcissistic from a guy in Greek mythology called Narcissus. And Narcissus was the most beautiful man that had ever been born. He was so handsome that all the ladies were like, oh, I just want to be with that guy. And all the guys were like, oh, I want to be that guy. And everybody wanted to be his friend. And, and, and the problem was that Narcissus knew it. I mean, he knew he was all that in a bag of chips. He was that guy. And so one day, according to the legend, he went out on a tour to find somebody who was worthy to give his love to. He was so proud of himself, and he knew he was so beautiful, and everybody wanted to be with him. He wanted to go out and find somebody who was worthy to be with him. And he went from town to town, and all the women were falling out and fainting because he was so beautiful. And all the men were going, I'll take you hunting, buddy. Come on, be my friend. And, and all the, I mean, this was the guy. And he was frustrated because he couldn't find anybody. But according to legend, one day he stopped in his travels on the side of the road to get a drink from a pond. And the pond was clear and the pond was calm. And as he looked down, he saw a reflection of himself. And when he did, he went, I have found the one worthy of my love. And in the Greek version of it, he plunged his head beneath the waters. And he couldn't find him, so he got up again. And when the waters come, he goes, there he is. And he plunged his head into the waters. And he continued to do that for the rest of his life. In the Roman version of the story, he plunged his head between the waters and drowned himself. All because he was so obsessed with himself. Do you know what Awareness Day is? Awareness Day is that moment where you go, oh, there are people that aren't me. There are people outside of me. There's a whole world outside of myself. This is the goal. This is, what's that? That is a thing, believe it or not. There are people outside of ourselves. That, that's a great question, and you really need to be here today. <laughs> 
That, that we need to start looking at others. That that's the whole purpose. That's the whole point. And so core training. Everybody say core. core. Oh, nice and loud. With a, you, gotta, if, you don't even have to say it loud. With a smile on your face. Practice. Big smile. Here we go. Ready? I don't see smiles. Let's try again. Here we go. Ready? Count of three. I want you to say core with a smile on your face. One, two, three. Core. Oh, that sounded better. Look at that. That is awesome. So what is core training? I want to get to the core. And I'm going to make you a promise. And I don't make a lot of promises, but the promise is this. If you will follow these rules, if you will start to live in this way, you'll not only make your life better, you'll make others' lives better, and you are going to actually change the world from right where you are. Can you believe it? You can change the world from Hutchinson, Kansas. So here we go. First thing I want you to see is this. When it comes to core, the C stands for care. On the count of three, I want everybody to say care. One, two, three. Care. Care. If you would just learn how to care about somebody else, and I don't mean in that fake way where you put an arm around them, tap them on the back, and don't think about it anymore, but I mean if you would let yourself actually care about others, care about how they feel, and actually in your own heart remember them, that is the beginning to changing a life that changes other lives. Now, I saw this a few years ago. I got introduced as a pastor. Before I was a pastor, I was a youth pastor down in Texas, and I was in a difficult part of the city. We were on the east side of Fort Worth where there was a lot of urban renewal going on, but a lot of depressed economy, and it was a very diverse community. And in our church, there were a lot of people who were there who had some money and a lot of people who had no money. And you could tell because of the way people dressed. Some people were dressing from the mall, and other people were dressing from the other mall, Walmart mall, right? And, and th- there was a line divided between them. They were very different. And I remember getting on a bus to go to a camp, and we were going to be on the bus for like eight hours, and then there for a week. And when I got on the bus, it was divided, this half and this half. And I thought, this is going to be a miserable miserable week. So I called all the sponsors off and said, we got to do something about this. We have to bring these guys together. And we didn't even have to do anything. I don't even, it was a miracle as far as I'm concerned. Before we got an hour down the road, they start hanging out and then they start melding. And it was the most beautiful experience I've ever had. And I don't know who started it, but these groups started getting together. And back in the day, back in the 90s, you guys don't do this anymore. When you became friends, what you would do is you would share clothes with one. Oh, you want to wear my shirt? Man, I got these jeans. You want to wear those? And so they start sharing clothes and that was the way they identified. Well, there were two guys there was a guy who was from the super cool he had some bling bling ka-ching ka-ching money in his house and he was a big footballer his name was scooter everybody say scooter 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 was a little bit like narcissus man he come in the room and all the girls like (laughs) right he was that guy and there was another guy who was on the trip with us who was from the kind of social outcast part of the school he was not on the cool side at all and he was a smaller guy. So you got Scooter, this big athletic strapping guy. And you got this other guy who was kind of on the outs. And for whatever reason, these two guys became friends. I mean, they started hanging out, and it was a beautiful moment. As a matter of fact, when they started sharing clothes, Scooter gave this little guy one of his polo shirts. And if you put a belt on him, you could have taken him to prom. It looked like a dress. It was huge on this kid, right? And this other kid, he gave his, his new buddy Scooter this uh, you know, 99-cent hat from Walmart with the vented sides, like a trucker hat. You all know what I'm talking about? They don't look that cool, but even Scooter, he just wore it a little sideways. They're like, how do you do that? It makes it look cool. He was that guy, right? And so they start hanging out. It's a great week at camp. The kids are getting along. But then they were sitting at tables, just like these tables we have right here. And they were playing the cup game. Now, how many of you ever played the cup game? Where you do the tap, tap, and you just keep, there's a little pattern. And you get faster and faster, and you keep passing around, and you keep doing it until somebody messes up, you go, ah! And they're out, right? And so they're playing the game. It's so annoying if you're not playing. All you hear is, 
it, it just goes on and on. Well, they're playing this game, and we're kind of standing around just talking. I watch them playing this. And at one point during the game, this little kind of social outcast kid, he goes, and he hit his cup too hard. It was styrofoam, and it went, just popped out like that. It stopped the game. Everybody's like, because that's what you do, right? Well, he took his cue, and he goes, I'm supposed to laugh. And he goes, no, wait. One of the reasons this kid had some trouble fitting in is he kind of had a goofy laugh. He snorted when he laughed. Do we have any snorters in the room? Got a few snorters? Here, you, you'll understand this. When he laughed, he went, <coughs> like that. And the problem is, when he laughed, <coughs> he blew a snot bubble just that big. I mean, he went, <coughs> and, <coughs> and it was massive. I, I, I remember, it was only a split second. It kind of went out and went, <coughs> and it just hung out there in space. And you could see everybody at the table like, oh. And I'm the adult. I should have had it together, but I'm like, no. But, but there was a bit of grace and mercy in it. It didn't pop. He sucked it right back up. No, oh, that's better. If it had popped and got on a girl, she'd be like, it's on me. It's on me. Right? Okay, wait. So go back. You got to just. It was just a moment in time, but the whole room stopped. The whole room's up there like. <gasps> now, I wasn't looking directly at him. I was kind of off to the side, but I could see him. And when I could see him, I'm telling you straight up, no one could read minds. But I could tell you exactly what was going on because you could see it in his eyes. Here's what, here's what he was thinking. What did I do? I was finally in for the first time. I wish I wasn't here. I wish I was gone. I'd rather be dead than be right here. You can see it on his face. You can see it on his face. His life, in his own mind, his life was over. It was in that moment that his buddy, Big Scooter, super cool, sitting next to him, he didn't say a word. He just took that huge arm of his. He leaned back to the next table, took another cup off the stack, and put it in front of his buddy. He never looked at him. He looked at everybody else. He goes, let's play again. And everybody took their cues. And this little guy goes. And they kept playing. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I believe, and I, I tell this story a lot because that story scarred me. And you want to know why? Because I believe that day with a styrofoam cup and a couple of words, Scooter saved that boy's life. I believe Scooter changed his life. Because he took one moment, and instead of bringing him down, he cared for him. He just cared for him. And the first thing that's going to change this school, the first thing that's going to change your life, the first thing that's going to change your future, is if you'll just learn to care. Well, I, those people annoy me. Get over it. The world's full of annoying people. By the way, if you're in a room and go, no one's annoying here. Well, there's somebody annoying there. It's probably you if you can't find them, right? There's always somebody annoying. There's always somebody difficult. There, but it doesn't excuse us all. We're human beings. We occupy the same space. We have to care. Look at whoever you're sitting next to and say, I care about you. Go ahead and tell them. Now, that's too easy. You're sitting next to them because you like them. Look at somebody behind you and go, I really care about you. Go ahead and tell them. I really care about you. That's it. That's it. So the C stands for what? Care. Oh, we almost got it. Everybody focus. Here we go. The C stands for what? Care. Let's go to the O. 
it's really important if we're going to do this core training that we learn also how to object. The O stands for object. Everybody say object. object. Now, what does object mean? Object is really this incredible moment where you have to say, there are some things that I have to take a risk for. There are some times I'm going to have to stand up for somebody. There are some times I'm going to have to stick my own neck out and report something or say something or stand against something because there are some things that are just that important. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but I am not like Scooter. I'm a 46-year-old, overweight, losing my hair, aging, pastoral white guy here in Hutch, right? So I'm not exactly a cage fighter. Does that make sense? A few years ago, that, I need that as background so that you understand where we're going with this. A few years ago, I was at Hastings. Remember we had Hastings, the coffee shop and all that? My wife had asked if uh, I could take her over there. She was going to meet with another lady from our church. They're going to work on something. And, and I said, sure, I'll go ahead and study, get ready for the weekend sermon. And so I'm sitting at a table over there, and I'm studying, getting ready for what I'm going to talk about that weekend. And she and Camille, now, here's the problem. You have to understand this about my wife. You've never seen my wife, but if you've seen my wife, you would know this. When people meet us for the first time, they turn around and walk away and go, how did that happen? Because she's really pretty. And they go, how did, she must have lost a bet. Why is she married to this guy, right? She, she's, she's just a really pretty lady. So my wife is over there, and she's with another young lady who's a nice-looking lady. And, and they were having their, uh, their meeting over there, and I'm studying over here. Well, while they're meeting... The door opens, ding, and this dude comes in. And I mean, he's college age. He's got the shirt cut down so you can see his six-pack. You know what I'm talking about? I got six-pack too. Mine's in a cooler. But he has his six-pack, and he comes walking in. He's got the strut. He's got the stride. And as he walks through, his eye catches a couple ladies there. And so he does this. He sees ladies, and then he goes, and I saw it. Dude did the double take on my wife. And I'm like, oh, you did not just double take on my wife. And I watched him walk off into the storm. I'm like, that's right, get to stepping, boy. And I went back to reading and get ready for my sermon. A few minutes later, he comes walking back through. He's holding a bag. He had bought something. But this time on the way out, he doesn't just double take. He's like, looks at it. He stares him down. He backs into the door. And he leaves making eye contact. Now these two ladies, for some reason, forgot that I was there watching all this. And they start looking at each other going, did you see him? <laughs> and then my wife suddenly realizes I'm there. She looks at me and she goes, huh? and I'm like, watch it, woman. <laughs> I'm like, that guy's out of here. And that's a good thing for him. A couple minutes later, not, not even a couple minutes, maybe a minute later, the door goes, ding, ding. And he goes back in. This time he's put his bag in his car, but he didn't walk in. This time he looks right at him. He takes a chair at the table next to him, spins it around, sits down, crosses his arms, and goes, Sup? <laughs> I remember I'm there, my blood's boiling. And I remember taking my Bible and closing it because this doesn't need to happen over an open copy of the Word. And I pushed it to the side. And I stood up and I went, Hey, buddy! I mean, just that loud. I'm in a store, right? In public, right? And I go, hey, buddy! And it was like that moment on a movie where somebody takes a record and goes, Rrr! I mean, everything stopped. I went, hey, buddy! And the manager steps out, like, what's going on? <laughs> hey, buddy! And the dude rips his head around and looks at me. I go, they're both married and one of them's mine. <laughs> now, there was a moment where this young, athletic college guy makes eye contact with the 40-something-year-old overweight, balding white guy. And I am so thankful to tell you in this moment, he jumped up, said he's sorry, and ran out of there like a third grader had to pee. It was awesome. <laughs> he, he just had to leave. But the truth is, if he'd have wanted to throw down, if he'd have said, bring it, I'd have been in trouble because I had nothing to bring. You understand? 
If we'd have gone to the parking lot, I'd have become a part of the parking lot. That's what it would have happened. <laughs> but it didn't matter. You want to know why? Because some stuff is worth fighting for. And my wife is worth fighting for. And my marriage is worth fighting for. And my kids and my house is worth fighting for. And I realized that in that moment, even if he wanted to come after me, and even though he was stronger, and even though he was younger, and even though he was quicker, and even though I'm this, <laughs> even though there is just some stuff that's worth fighting for. I want you to repeat these words. Everybody say, some stuff, some stuff. worth fighting for. Worth fighting. One more time. Everybody say, some stuff, some stuff. worth fighting for. And there are going to be moments when you're in the hallway out there and everybody's going to be looking at somebody and making fun. And you will be the one person who has the opportunity to stick your neck out and tell everybody, shut it. Don't do that. When everybody else is, is teasing and poking fun or doing something else, you're going to be the one who says, this ain't right. And you stop standing with the crowd and you stand with the one. You stand with the one. Who that we need, we need to be aware of. Now, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I hadn't planned on telling this. I'm just going to tell it real quick. I have two boys. They're now old enough. One's a first year. He's JUCO at college. He's doing really well. Super brainiac. He's there, full ride scholarship. He's making money while he's there. And uh, uh, my other son, he's still in high school. Great athlete. They're both musicians. I'm proud of both of them. But out of all their academics and out of all their achievements, all this, my favorite story, my, the most proud I've ever been, was the eighth grade year. Eighth grade year of my oldest son. I got a call from a teacher, and she said, could you please call me back? And that's never good, right? It's like, teacher calls, you're home, says, would you call me back? And I, I asked him, I said, what'd you do? He goes, I don't know. I said, son, well, who's this teacher? He goes, I don't know. I go, you don't even know your teacher's name. And so I call the teacher back, and she goes, and she goes Mr. Addis? I said, yes. I go, what'd he do? And she goes, no, 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 you have a, you have a, a, a misunderstanding. I don't even have him in my class. I'm like... Okay, what's going on? She goes, I want you to know I've been a teacher for more than 20 years. She goes, and I saw something today I've never seen before. It says in our eighth grade hallway, there was a young man who's not very popular who dropped his science experiment. He actually was tripped and it broke in pieces on the floor. And a crowd gathered around him and they were all giggling and pointing as he was on his knees picking pieces up. And your son stepped out of the crowd and got on his hands and knees and started picking up pieces with him. And when he did that, half the crowd walked away and the other half got on their knees and started helping him. She says, in 20 years, I've never seen that happen in a junior high room, in a junior high school. She goes, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it because that's the kind of kid I want in my class. The most proud I have ever been of my son was because of that phone call when everybody else was standing around and everybody else was pointing and saying, thank God that wasn't me. Oh, what an idiot. He got on his hands and knees. And do you see what happened? Not only did he do that, but the half that were being idiots walked away. And the other half that were just being followers got on their knees and helped. Sometimes there's some stuff worth fighting for. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to help you out with this. Look at whoever you're sitting next to and say, you're worth fighting for. Find somebody you haven't said that to before. Look at somebody else. Say, you're worth fighting for. Go ahead and tell them. All right, help me out. We're doing some core training. The C stands for? The O stands for? I want to make sure we get it. The C stands for? The O stands for? Here's the third one. The third one is respect. 
Man, you guys hear this a lot at school, don't you? It's all about respect. Got respect every day. You got to respect one another. Got to respect yourself. Respect is a huge, huge concept. That if you get real respect, if you really get respect, it changes the way you think, the way you feel, the way you talk, the way you act, the way you walk. Everything. Now, I do a lot of camp speaking. Anybody ever been to camp? Who likes camp? Ever been to some camps like band camp, soccer camp, church camp, that kind of thing? A few of you. I love camp. I live for camp. You want to know why I like camp? It's because it's five whole days where you don't get to plug in your phone. It's awesome. And you get to see things. When you put your phone down and you don't have a laptop or an iPad, you see things you've never seen before, like trees and the sky. It's, it's beautiful. And so I like camp because there's this moment, there's this narrow window in our lives where we actually look at each other. And Anyway, I love camp. So there's this camp that I've been a part of for the last 15 years in Texas. Now down in Texas, in the middle of summer, it gets pretty hot. In the central Texas, it's almost like a desert. And I was at this place where they put you up in this room at a place called Rock Lodge. And then you have to cross a road and an athletic field to get to the speaking center. And on this day, I got to this camp, and I, I was crossing that road, and I realized I'm going to have to take the long way around because they had done some kind of water game or something. I mean, that field was just a mud pit. And I'm like, it's the middle of August. I bet they had fun, but that is a mess right now. So I walked all the way around it and made it in there. Didn't think much of it until my buddy, who's a, a pastor down in Arlington, said, Hey, Andy. He's from Arkansas, so I'm going to try to do the weird accent. Hey, Andy, we're going to do some ultimate Frisbee tonight with a, a glow-in-the-dark Frisbee. You want to play? we got 120 kids. I'm like, well, first of all, no, I do not want to do that. I mean, look at me. Do I look like an athlete, especially at, in dark? I'm going to end up in the emergency room. I'm not going to do that. Uh, he goes, oh, it'll be fun. I go, wait, wait, wait. What are you going to do about that huge mud pit on the field? Oh, we've already talked about it. We told the kids to stay out of it. And we're going to make a human chain out of our sponsors to keep them out. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm in. I want to see this. Because I guarantee you this, at night, 120 kids on a field with a little human chain, ain't going to happen. There are going to be some kids in that mud pit. I want to see what goes on. He's like, oh, we'll be all right. And I got out there. And I was totally right. Within 10 minutes, it was 10 minutes into the game. They're playing the free year a little. And then all of a sudden, and you look over and there are two junior high boys, man, and they're like two gazelles stuck in the mud, just spindly arms and legs sticking up. One of them, when the flashlights got onto him, he just jumped up and poof, he was out of frame. The other one was so deep in the mud that when he pushed his face, it was like his face was and he went to pull his face out. And the sponsor was so mad, get out of the mud. You could just hear the anger. I said, get out. And he's like, <laughs> and he starts getting out. Well, he gets to the edge of the mud pit. And he's got no shoes on. And that's a bad camper. You always have to wear shoes. He's like, where are your shoes? And the kid goes, they're stuck in the mud. He goes, well, get your shoes. He goes, you told me to get out. Kid logic, right? He's like, okay. <laughs> and he goes back in to get his shoes. Now, I'm watching all this. I'm laughing. I'm looking at my buddy Jonathan going, I told you. And now, you and I are close, right? You know, we're there. We hear the story. We know what's going on. All the kids out on the field, all they heard was, <laughs> they turn around and they see a sponsor go, Get in there! And it was like a zombie apocalypse movie. These kids came running out of the dark. They thought the mud pit was open. And they're sliding in it and cannonballing and jumping in. It was crazy. There were like maybe 50 of them decided to jump in this mud pit. And they're just in there. They're girls making mud mohawks. Boys putting on their face. They're throwing it. It was disgusting. Disgusting. It does sound like fun, but it was disgusting. They had to bring up what they call the fire truck, which is just a pickup truck that had the fire hose on it that could pump lake water out. They were so covered in mud before they could let them back in the dorms. 
I mean, they had to completely hose these guys down. It was nasty. Okay, so day two, I get up, I see that mud pit. I think about the night before, I'm like, third day, I'll get to you in just a second. Third day, fourth day, finally last day of camp. I walk past that thing and I think, that's really weird. That that is still there, and I can't figure out what games they're playing. What am I missing to be there? So I asked the camp director, I said, Alton, staying over at Rock Lodge. Is everything okay? Yeah, it's great, great. I just wanted to ask you about that mud pit across there. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, I'm sorry about that. That happens whenever the camp is full. That's where the septic lines end. Okay, I don't know if we're rural enough to know what that means. That's where the plumbing stops. That's where when you flush, everything dumps out. That's where the poop pipes stop. And when he said that, I went, <gasps> he said, are you okay? And I went, huh? I didn't want to tell him he had 50 kids playing in poop water. And all I could think of was, <laughs> is that nasty? I need an answer. Is that nasty? I, they're just out there. They're playing in poo water. Rub it in their hair. Put it on their face. <laughs> When's the last time you just went to the toilet and went, <laughs> You don't do that because it's nasty. Isn't that right? Everybody say nasty. nasty. It's nasty. Why am I telling you this story? Because when you're in the hallway and you're making fun of somebody, you're playing in poo water. When you're telling inappropriate jokes, you're playing in poo water. When you're being mean, you think, <laughs> you're just playing in poo water. You see, here's the deal. Respect is when you learn not to play in the poo water. It's when you learn how to stand on the outside and go, that's nasty. I'm not going to call them names. I'm not going to think you're funny when you do it. I'm not going to laugh because this teacher is being harassed by this student. I'm not going to do it. I I'm going to show respect, and because I show respect, I'm going to deserve respect. On the count of three, everybody say respect. One, two, three. Respect. Everybody know the old song? R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Everybody, let's do it with me. Ready? One, two, three. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Come on now. you got to do it nice and loud. Let's do it. Ready? Here we go. got to get a little groove like this. Wait, I got you not in the right spot. Everybody take your right hand. Put your right hand up. Right hand up. Put it on your left shoulder like this. Snap. Bring it across. Snap. Back. Mm, now you got attitude. Ready? Here we go. Ready? R E S P E C T. Let's do it together. Ready? One, two, three. R E S P E C T. That was good. Nice and loud. Blow, blow the three hairs I still have on my head off. Ready? Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. R E S P E C T. I love it. I love it. Very good. We got to have some respect. When we respect one another, we become respectable ourselves. So here is core training so far. We've got one more to go. The C stands for? The O stands for? The R stands for? The last one. And I love this one because if you didn't do any of the rest of these, but you could still do this, you could still make a difference. The E stands for encourage. How do you encourage somebody else? What does it mean to encourage? What's that? Thanks, man. I appreciate the encouragement. See, he's working on it right there. Uh, To encourage means that you speak, you act, and you do whatever it takes to bring somebody up instead of put them down. You know, the, the opposite of encourage is not to put them down. The opposite of encourage is actually to do nothing. Like people think the opposite of love is hate. Actually, the truth is if you hate something, that's because you have a strong feeling. The opposite of love is apathy, to not care. The worst place you can be, worse than being mean, is to just not care. But to encourage. Everybody say encourage. Encourage. 
to encourage. We're going to take uh, my friend over here, his advice. Look at somebody next to you and say, you look nice today. Go ahead and tell them real quick. Hey, look at somebody else and go, round, round. <laughs> That's right. Listen, we can be encouraging. Now, I told you a story about Noah earlier. Let me tell you a story about Nathan. He's my youngest. Nathan, when he was a little guy, we had just got training wheels off, and we used to ride the Cary Park Trail uh, from over at Rice Park all the way down to Cary Park, and that's a good jaunt for guys with little legs and tiny bikes, right? And, and so we would do that. We've done that three or four or five times, something like that, and we said, let's go ride bikes again, and we went out there, and to be straight up with you, it just got a little boring because we were riding the same trail back and forth, and so at one point, I took my mountain bike, and we got up on one of those kind of up rises. And I popped my front tire off the top and I kind of rode it down to the bank and rode through the weeds and came back up, pumped iron, got back on. That was kind of fun, you know, a little bit of off-road. And it was at that moment that my wife, who was in front of us, she turned around and gave me the look. Now, if you're not married, which I know most of you in this room are not married, you probably do not know what the look is. And even if you've seen your mom give your dad the look, you still do not understand the fury of the look until you've been the subject of the look. But I was getting the look. She turned around and was doing this. <clears throat> And then I went, oh, no. And then she gave me the finger. Not that one. She gave me this one. She did that. And she told me, And so I turned around. I go, what? And there's my little son, Nathan. I mean, he is just uh, knee-high to a grasshopper kind of kid. He takes, he's following me. He took his front edge, boom, bopped off and went down this hill. And then he had to push his bike back up. And he's like, ha, 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 ha. And I'm like, eh, that's not so bad. I mean, it's a little dangerous, but I'm pretty proud of him. You know, not so bad. And my wife's giving me, she goes, if he gets hurt. I know, I know, I know, I know. A couple minutes later, I passed by this little rise, and I thought I was going to do it again. I thought, no, that's, that's pretty steep. I'm not going to do that. That's, that's dumb. And in the moment that I thought that's dumb, I went, oh, no. And I turned my head over my shoulder, and I see Nathan. What does Nathan do? Looks good to me. <laughs> he drops his front tire over, and he starts to go down. Now, all of us in here have probably ridden a bike before. And you know that moment when you're not an experienced bike rider, when you realize you're out of control, and you do the wrong thing? You take your feet off the pedals, right? I could see he was about three-quarters of the way down. He was like, oh, and man, it was bad. His front tire hit the bottom and the bike didn't slow down or even bump. It just stopped. Whatever was down there just grabbed his front tire. And it took him and shot him. I mean, he's airborne. And I'm like, oh, no. And I watch him. He hits the ground and he crumples like scorpion. Comes across, slides through some mud. And then the worst part, his bike dislodges. And I see it in the air. It's following his exact trajectory. And when he comes to a rest, here comes the bike. On top of him, I'm like, oh, no. And I drop my bike, and I go run into him. I get over to where he's at. And, and you remember, you you've you probably babysat little kids. Or you remember when you were a little kid? You have a very narrow window to help them respond. They're either going to do well or not do well based on how you respond to them, right? And so I got over to him, and I remember thinking, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And I'm looking at him. He's on his back looking up. He's got a little trickle of blood. He's got mud all down this side of his face. But he's looking up at me through the frame of his bike. And I look at him, and he makes eye contact with me, and I went, dude, that was awesome. <laughs> and he looks at me with eyes, didn't say a word, but you can tell his eyes, he's like, you're a bad dad. <laughs> you're, you're a bad dad. And I remember taking the bike and lifting it off of him. When he set up, he's holding his head. He's like, what? I go, that was amazing. You shouldn't be alive. You caught so much air. And he looked at me, he goes, Really? I go, yeah! I gave him a hand. I brought him up. Now, some of you might be offended. I promise, I'm not trying to be offensive by this. But I look at him and I go, dude, and you're bleeding? That's probably going to leave a scar. And the chicks dig scars. You're going to be good. He's like, really? <laughs> like, yeah, man. I brushed some mud off. That was amazing. Give me some. And instead of crying and bleeding and whining, he's like, yeah. 
And I remember thinking, whew, dodged a bullet there. I start pushing my bike back up the hill after I get handed him his bike. And Kathy's looking at me with the look and doing this again. I'm like, what? I took care of it. And I turn around and I realize why she's mad. He's pushing his bike back up right to the spot where he came down. <laughs> and I have a moment going, what are you, dumb? You didn't even get close. But, but I thought, no, he's got confidence. He's got confidence. He got back a little bit and he took that bike, popped his wheel off the same spot. He rode it down with a look of determination, a little bit of blood, a little bit of mud. It was awesome. He just rode right past me. I'm like, that's my boy. <laughs> everybody. Everybody say everybody. everybody. Look at me. Everybody's going to fall down. Everybody's going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to wind up in a wreck from time to time. Do you know what gets you back up? It's when somebody comes to you and goes, that was an epic failure. That was amazing. You're going to fall down. Your friends are going to fall down. Your family's going to fall down. Everybody. One more time. Everybody say everybody. everybody. Everybody's going to fall down. Here's what you got to do. You have to encourage them. If you lived a life in which you never fell down, that's really not living much of a life. You're going to have to take a risk, take a shot. And when you fall down, you need to be the person that helps others get back up. And you need to have friends that you've created because you cared, you objected, you respected, that they will help you back up. There are four elements to core. Let's do them real quick. C stands for? Care. O stands for? Care. R stands for? Respect. E stands for? Care. I want to hear it real loud. With a smile. Remember we practice With a smile. Here we go. The C stands for? Care. O? Object. R? Respect. E? Now, I'm not going to give you the letters. Let's just say the four words in a row. See if you got it. Ready? Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Care, respect, One more time. As loud as you can. Make me very happy. This is going to make my day. Ready? Here we go. Big deep breath. And. You guys are amazing. If you will do this, you'll change your life. You'll change the lives around you. You'll change the world. I'm very thankful for you guys. Thanks for your time today.